I've got six points today, and I believe that this is really, uh, this is not just information, this is impartation and revelation today. It's going to help you in your walk with the Lord. Um, and what, when we were singing, and that's what I, when we were singing those songs that our praise team picked out, that's what I saw a mental picture of is, is people coming, you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You've come out of the grave, but you still have grave clothes on. And when that happened with Lazarus in the Bible, Jesus, he, he, he was one that called Lazarus forth out of the grave, but then he told his disciples, loose him and let him go. And so this word, I believe, if you, if you will take this word today, there's going to be specific things that I believe the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you um, in your walk that's going to help you loose, loose, get rid of some grave clothes, okay? And uh, if you'll just listen to what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Don't be the one that sits here in, in church and goes, that's for my spouse. I know it. <laughs> and we've all done that before, right? I want you to get focused on you and your relationship with the Lord, okay? And the title of this message is Guard Your Heart. And, um, and so the first scripture that we're going to look at, and I'm going to read this out of the Amplified uh, version is Proverbs 4, verse 23. And a lot of you, if you've been around church any length of time, you've probably heard this scripture. But it's keep and guard your heart. That's where the, the title came from. Guard your heart with all vigilance and above all that you guard for out of it flow the springs of life. So out of your heart flows everything. If, if you get around somebody, whether they're a family member, a friend, a co-worker, whatever, if you will just be quiet and listen to them long enough, they will tell you what they're going through and what their issues are and their problems. Because out of the abundance, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Right? Okay, so if you want to be a good counselor and be a good friend and be able to help somebody, just listen to people. And if you're a good listener, you'll be able to help them. Our hearts, according to Scripture, Proverbs 24, verse 23, our hearts are a priority and we need to protect our hearts, and our hearts have a lot of potential for good or for bad. The Bible says in Jeremiah that the heart is above all, it's, it's deceitful and wicked. And who can know the heart? Only the Lord can, and only the Lord can deal with the heart. And, and you notice it's not the mind, it's the heart. This is where your spirit man is located at, is what I believe that that's the candle of the Lord right here. And... The key to, I love what Augustine said, he said, the key to life change is not the acts of the will, even though we can do a lot of change just through the acts of the will, but true lasting change comes from the loves of the heart. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. Mark 7, verses 21 through 23, and I'm going to read this again out of the Amplified Bible just because it adds more verbiage to it. And this is what Jesus said, talking about the heart. He said, for from within talking about on the inside, that is, out of the hearts of men and women come base and wicked thoughts, sexual immorality, stealing, murder, adultery, coveting, a greedy desire to have more wealth, dangerous and destructive wickedness, deceit, unrestrained, indecent conduct, an evil eye or envy, slander, which means evil speaking, malicious misrepresentation, abusiveness, Pride, the sin of an uplifted heart against God and man. Foolishness, which means folly, lack of sense, recklessness, and thoughtfulness. Thoughtlessness. That all comes from the heart. And that's when you're walking after the flesh and not after the spirit. And then verse 23 says, All these evil purposes and desires come from within, and they make the man unclean and render him unhallowed. The only person that can deal with the heart is the Holy Spirit. That's the part of the Godhead that's here with us right now. And so it's up to you, it's up to us, it's up to me to allow the Holy Spirit to come in and deal with our heart. When God exposes something in your heart, that's when you deal with it. Not, you know, and the Holy Spirit does this to all of us. He'll show you something and we'll say, ah, I don't want to deal with that right now, God. <laughs> You've been like that. I've, been, I've done that. And God said, no, we need to deal with this or it's going to become a bigger problem later on. And so when he starts showing you the little small things that are going on in your heart, that's when you deal with them. Don't let them grow into something bigger. Okay, 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. And I want to go to the story of the prophet Elijah. 
James chapter 5, we won't turn there, but James chapter 5 tells us that Elijah was a, was a human just like we are. He wasn't a superhuman. He was a human just like us. But he was a prophet, and God used him mightily in Israel. And it, we're going to see this story in 1 Kings chapter 19, and this is after 1 Kings chapter 18, where he, most of us know this story, and it's a great preaching story uh, of when he called fire down from heaven, you know, and, and then killed all the, the false prophets, and yay, yay, yay. And then ver, in chapter 19, he is running from his life from a woman called Jezebel. And so we're going to pick up this story in 1 Kings chapter 19 where this great prophet of God is now in fear and intimidation and he's running for his life. And uh, he's heading to a cave is where he's heading to. And in verse, uh, 1 Kings chapter 19 verse 1, it says, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had slain all the prophets of Baal with the sword, which there was 450 of them. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying this, so let the gods do to me, and more also, if I, make, if I make not your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid. This great man of God became afraid after he heard this. Then he was afraid and arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba of Judah. So he, listen to this, guys. He run, the Bible says, and I'm reading this out of the Amplified Version because it tells you, he ran, he, he went over 80 miles and out of Jezebel's realm. Now, I want to say this right here. When I read this, something jumped off the page at me. You can run physically from a problem, but you can't run spiritually from one. So you better confront it right then. And so, so he didn't confront this spirit. He ran from this, you know, this woman Jezebel over 80 miles away. And the Bible says, and I want you to know this, he left his servant there. And so he's a loner. He's all by himself. He's all alone. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a lone broom or juniper tree and asked that he might die. He said, it, so here, here it is, this man of God, this prophet, is having suicidal thoughts. And he said, he's just wanting to die. It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And from this story, um, and I've, I'm reading a book right now, if, if you're a reader, I'm reading a book right now by Pastor Critch, Chris Hodges, who pastors Church of the Highlands in, in Alabama. It's called Out of the Cave. It's Out of the Cave. And he's very vulnerable in this book where he talks about in his life where he uh, came through depression. And I don't know how many of you in here deal with depression, but I have from time to time in my life. And uh, it's not fun. And there's a spirit behind it. And there's only so much... Uh, you know, thank God for medicine today. I'm not saying that you don't need to take medicine. You know, you, you may have a chemical imbalance, all right? Uh, but I'm not talking, I'm not going to really get into chemical imbalances today. I'm going to get into some other kind of imbalances that we may have. And so thank God, but you can only medicate things so much, all right? And God wants you free from this spirit that's behind all this. And, and I'm speaking from experience. Um, I've, I've battled this, this demonic stronghold several times in my life. Um, and I've been pretty open and honest about that around our church about it. Um, and uh, the first time I battled it was when I was in college. Uh, and I, I went through one semester of college, and I don't even like to say this, but I, I got to a point where I just didn't care. I didn't care if I got up in the morning. I didn't care about what my grades were. And this is totally out of character with me. I mean, I want to excel in everything that I do. And that, that semester in college, Mark was with me in this ordeal in my life, and now we're together in ministry. But I'm, and I, I don't say this braggingly. Uh, I'm embarrassed to even say it, but I made a 0.00 that semester because I was depressed. Didn't go to class. Didn't go to test. I mean, I just flunked out. And I wasn't going to go back to college after that. And I'm not saying that college is for everyone, but this is when it happened to me, and I was in my early 20s. And there was just a lot of life things that were going on in my life during that time. And I didn't know how to process it because and I didn't even have a relationship with God at that time. Thank God I do now. And I, I later found out that there is some mental health issues in my family. Okay, And here's the deal, guys. And I, and I talk about this because we don't talk about this in the church very much. But when we have a, a, a toothache or an earache or whatever, we go to the doctor, we get medicine. But when we have mental health issues, then everybody marks you as, it's just got a bad stereotype in our society that you're crazy if you're going through things. Well, 
God created the spirit, soul, and body, and part of your soul is your mind. And we need to have mental health. Amen? And the Holy Spirit can help you mentally. And so, but what I'm going to do today is I'm going to, I'm going to share with you six things that, and I'm, and I'm not a perfect in this because I'm still working these all out in my life as well, but these are going to help you guard your heart, okay? Some very practical things because when you say guard your heart, you're like, Pastor Mark, how do I do that? How do I guard my heart? Well, I'm glad you asked because I'm going to tell you. And I'm not saying this is an exhaustive list because there's more things you can add to this list, but I think these six that I'm going to share with you today are pretty important. They'll help you guard your heart. So here's number one. Life imbalances. Life imbalances. I'm not talking about chemical imbalances. I'm talking about life imbalances. And what I mean by that is we live in a world today that praises you if you're busy. That's, that's out of balance. Amen? If you're just busy all the time. Busy, I like what one pastor says, is that's, that's the acronym of being under Satan's yoke if you're just busy all the time. And, and so life imbalances create a lot of problems with our hearts because we don't have, we don't have God as number one. We got everything out of, out of priority. God's not number one. We just got everything out of kelter. And this, this, uh, there's a book called The Depression Cure from Stephen S. Alardi. And he said this, we, never, we were never designed for the sedentary, indoor, socially isolated, fast food laden, sleep deprived, frenzy pace of modern life. That's not how God designed us. But we're living like that. And when you live like that long enough, you're, you get out, of, get out of balance. And then you wonder why you have this, this, these mental health issues that are going on. I love, there was a story uh, that Pastor Chris shares about, and he was talking about whenever he was a, a, a young youth pastor, and he said this was back, he said when I was a youth pastor, this was back before cell phones. Can anybody remember back before cell phones? I can, you know. I, I mean, I can remember the day whenever somebody told me, he goes, there's going to be a day. I remember this back in high school. There's going to be a day when you're going to be able to talk to somebody on your phone, and you're going to be able to see them at the same time. And I thought, you are ludicrous. You're plumb crazy. That is never going to happen. That may happen in the year 3000, but that's never going to happen in my lifetime. And lo and behold, we're doing that today. Thank God for it because I, I get to talk to my grandkids when they're bathing every night. <laughs> that's when they call us, and it's a lot of fun. Um, so thank God for that. Thank God for some technology. But So this was back before cell phones, and he said what I would do is he pastored in an area, and I think it was in Colorado or somewhere where there was mountains and snow, and and he said, so how I'd get to know these youth is I would take them on, we'd go on ski trips, and that's how I got to know them and disciple them and all that and be with them and minister to them. And uh, he said, but back before cell phones, if you was a youth pastor, this is how you skied. You skied, you rode the lift up, you skied back down, then you went to the infirmary. To make sure none of them, none of them goes, because as a youth pastor, you're concerned about your kids. And he goes, I was always, always had this mental picture as I'm skiing down that, oh no, one of them just went off the trail and they're in the trees and they broke their leg. You know? And so he said, every time I would go up, I would come back down, I'd go to the infirmary and make sure I didn't have any youth down there. And he said, I just did that all day long. You know? And then I'd see some of our youth and we'd meet up and have, have lunch and all that kind of stuff. And he said, one time, he goes, I went into the infirmary and there was a guy there that said, man, you keep popping in here a lot. <laughs> And he said, well, I'm a youth pastor, and I'm just trying to make sure that none of my youth have gotten hurt on the slopes because we're all scattered out all over the place. And uh, he said, no, none of them have been here yet, you know. And uh, and this this guy that was working the infirmary, uh, he told him, he said, did you know that 90% of the ski accidents happen in the last hour of the day? And he was like, really? And he said, what causes that? He said, well, two things, overconfidence and weariness. And, and I was thinking, whenever I heard that story, I was relating it to, that's what happens to us in life. We get overconfident, we get weary or weary and or weary at the same time, and that's when life imbalances happen and the enemy has an inroad into your life. And so there's a scripture in Ecclesiastes 4.6. Uh, the Ecclesiastes is one of my dad's favorite books of the Bible and because it's the wisdom of Solomon, and he's speaking, and he says this, Ecclesiastes 4, 6, he says, Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. And what that means is, is we have a lot of Christians, believers living today, and we're going at life, 
and I'm going to be honest with you, I'm one of them. We're going at life with two handfuls, two handfuls. And the Lord says, that's not good. He says, it's better to go at life with one handful so that you're in balance. You're in balance, not imbalanced. And everybody said, that deserves a better amen. <laughs> so we got we to be in balance. And so this, this, we've bought a life in this world that we've got to go at life and be busy, 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 and have everything going, you know, two handfuls, and then try to grab some with your feet as well if you've got those kind of feet that can grab stuff. And uh, won't be looking around on that one. Um, but, uh, but God's saying, no, that's, that's not good. You need to be in balance, in balance. And everybody said, amen. Okay, here's number two that's not good. And we see this in Elijah because it, the Bible tells us that he left his servant there. And so number two is Elijah is isolation and loneliness is number two. Isolation and loneliness. And do you know what? I'm going to show you. I wish I had the clicker because you could get all these scriptures wrote down. And I'll send my notes to anybody that if you want them, you can just tell me your email after service and I'll send them to you. But the, the first problem, I'm going to show you what the first problem in the Bible was. Okay? And it's in Genesis 2, verse 18. And it says this, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And so the first problem in the Bible wasn't sin, it was solitude. We need each other. I know I'm going to talk to some people that are online today. I know if you're home and you're sick, that's one thing. But if you're just staying away to stay away, it isn't good. The Bible says that. It's not good to just stay away because we need each other. You, you may come to church, and I hope you're getting something out of this message today. And, you're just, you're just, and sometimes you come up, go home, well, why did I go to church today? Well, I promise you, <laughs> you received something. You received something. You're receiving, we don't know this, but there's things going on in the spiritual realm that we cannot see, but you're receiving strength from one another in this house today. Just me seeing Anita this morning, I'm receiving strength from that. Re really, I'm serious. That that's what, and I love what D.L. Moody said. He had a guy visit him one time, and, and I think I've shared this story here before, but this story just resonates with me being a pastor. And, and he said this uh, guy from her church came to him, and he'd been missing church for quite a while. Just to be, and I understand there's things that come up, you know, think, you know, vacations, stuff like that. Here, don't, okay, I'm not getting legalistic, but you have got to be in the house of God, okay? And you've got to be around other believers. And this guy was saying, he, he Dale Moody said he was a pastor, and he said, why, why have you been missing church? And they were sitting there, and there was a fireplace in front of them. He said, well, I had this going. And none of it was really good. You know, everybody thinks they got a great excuse. But, you know, it's, some of these excuses he was saying was not very good. And uh, he said, you know what? And this guy, then he popped off and said that. And he goes, you know what? What I've learned through this time is I don't think I really need church. I just, I just think I need to have my relationship with God and have my Bible, and I can just wake up in the mornings and pray and I don't really need to go to church. A lot of hassle, getting ready and getting around. You know, I don't even like people, okay? And he goes, I don't like being, you know, and Dale Moody was sitting there listening to him, you know, and God dropped in this Pastor Moody's uh, heart something to do, an object lesson. And so he went over and he got the tongs for the fireplace, and he reached there and he got one of the biggest coals he could find and he grabbed it, and he put it out on the earth out in front and just sat there. And they just sat there in, in silence. And, of course, this other guy's looking at Pastor Moody like, what are, you, you know, what, are, what are you doing here? And as they were sitting there, this thing started off just real hot, you know, bright. And as they sat there, it just kept getting darker and darker and darker and darker. And finally it was out, and it was just like a lump of coal sitting there. And he said, that's what's happening to you. The, mo the more you miss church and being around other believers, this is what's happening to you. And it forever changed that guy's life. He, got, he was back in church that next Sunday, by the way. And so, but that's what happens to us when we, when we intentionally miss church. There's times where you don't, you know, and I'm not making this to make it guilt trip or shame anybody in here because I know that there's, or maybe you're making a decision today. Today is the day that me and my house are going to serve the Lord and we're going to be in, you know, come hell or high water, we're going to be in church. That's a good decision to make today. But there's going to be things that come up. I understand when you get sick and stuff like that. But I'm just showing you the importance that you can't do this alone. And especially as we're living in these last days, I, I think this, it's becoming, 
what I'm sensing and seeing in the body of Christ and even in the world is, is people realizing I can't do life by myself. And social media is not, that's not hanging out together, okay? That's just, you're looking at everybody's highlight reels is what you're seeing there. And so um, we need each other. And you're never, you're never going to replace what God set up with the church of us coming, assembling ourselves together and worshiping him. You're never going to replace that. There isn't, there isn't no technology that can replace that. And so Hebrews chapter 10 says this, says in Hebrews 10 verses 24 through 25, it says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some of are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And everybody said, Amen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw something in here right now. Didn't have this in my notes, but I feel like I need to. Is because it's, yes, I'm responsible because I'm the shepherd in this house. But it's every one of our responsibilities to make sure that nobody's missing in this house. And I appreciate somebody here today that called me out on this was Janice Boatman. And she had told me one Sunday, she said, Mark, I've missed three weeks and nobody has reached out to me. And that cut me like a knife. And so, and, and guys, but yes, that's my responsibility. But I'm also, I, and I, so I appointed Betty. Betty, because she's always back there on her little perch back there like an eagle. <laughs> and I said, Betty, I told, because I didn't have anybody appointed to do that, to see. And I said, I need to have somebody appointed. So that day that I got that word, I called Betty, and I said, Betty, you're always back here in the back. You're seeing who's here and who's not here. I need your help in telling me who hasn't been here for a Sunday or two because I need to reach out to them. I need to get better at pastoring. But here's the deal. I'm also enlisting all of you to help me do that because we all need each other. And so if you see somebody before I do, reach out. Yeah. Amen. But also let me know about it too, please. Because I, I, I guarantee you, I'm, you know, I can't see everybody and, and all that. And so, but I appreciate Janice calling me out on that. But please let me know who they are. And everybody said? Because we don't want anybody falling through the cracks in these last days. Amen? Okay. Uh, just need to say that today. Okay, here's number three. This is a big one. These are all big ones. But number three is comparing ourselves to others. Stop it in Jesus' name. <laughs> uh, quit looking at Facebook and Instagram if it's bothering you. Because I guarantee you that's not their real life. I already know it because I've been in some of their homes. <laughs> and they've been in my home. We just, we just throw out our highlight reels a lot of times on there. And uh, that's not real life, guys. I promise you. So quit comparing yourself to other people. If, if it's a problem, I have a friend of mine. It's, it's such a problem to him. He had to, he gets, he's, he's totally off social media. He's, it just bothers me too much. And uh, he, he just can't make that distinction that that's not real life. And so, but whatever you got to do, whatever, you know. And so here's, I love what President Theodore Roosevelt said. He was the 26th president of the United States of America. He said, comparison is the thief of joy. Comparison is the thief of joy. Uh, I used to do this a lot. And I'm not saying that I'm perfect in this, but I used to compare myself to other pastors to, and I'd like, I want their church, I want their anointing, I want to be able to preach like T.D. Jakes. Well, number one, I'm not black, and number two, I can't preach, because God called me to teach, all right? And, and so God said, Mark, I want you to be the best teacher you can be. I can't do get ready, get ready, get ready like T.D. Jakes does. When he does it, I want to get ready. <laughs> Whenever I do it, everybody leaves, right? And so, and so I was comparing, and it was driving me nuts because I would compare. I was like, man, I can't preach like T.D. Jakes, and I can't smile all the time like uh, Joel Olstein. You know, I'm just not that happy all the time. And, and, and finally, the Lord woke me up and said, Mark, I called you to be you. Quit comparing yourself to other ministers. Quit comparing your church to other churches. Quit doing it because that's not who you are. I've called you who you are. 
And so what I feel like God called me to do was to take some hard things that are in Scripture and try to break them down so people can eat them and feed the sheep and to, and to teach his word, and I'm trying to get better at it. Because it's a craft. It really is. It's something that you can improve on. But I'm not, I'm not looking at another ministry and saying, I want to be like, I mean, I'm just trying to improve Mark Haney. But I want God to improve me, not by comparing myself to other people. And because it just would wear me out and tear me down. And, and God told me, Mark, quit comparing yourself to other churches and other ministries and other pastors. In Galatians 6, verses 4 through 5, the Apostle Paul talks about this. He says, each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. And when it talks about pride there, that's a, that's a good holy pride. Take pride in yourself, who you are, who God created you to be. You're a son and daughter of the Most High God. And everybody said, amen. So look at somebody and say, quit comparing yourself to other people. All right. Here's number four. Number four, all the cattlemen in here will understand this word, uh, or any livestock owners. Number four is ruminating and self-talk. Ruminating is just another word for chewing the cud, Okay. 95% of your emotions are determined by the way you talk to yourself. Brian Tracy said that. 95% of your emotions are determined by the way you talk to yourself. And this is what is called ruminating and self-talk. Ruminating is chewing the cud. And this is, this is what happens if you, don't know the, if you don't know cattle. Is what they do is they'll eat grass, they'll chew it up, they'll swallow it, and then a little bit later, I, I know we're fixing to eat lunch, but they regurgitate it back up, and they chew it again. And then they swallow it, and then they'll regurgitate it back up and chew it again. And each time it comes back up, I just want to tell you something. It gets grosser and grosser, just like y'all's faces are doing right now. It gets grosser and grosser. And so, but what we do is whenever you have a thought, just get this in the spirit now, when we have a thought and we chew it, and swallow it, that's okay. Get rid of it. It's gone. But what we do is we, you know, and if it's a good thought, you want to chew the cud, ruminate on that. But most of the time, we're dealing with bad thoughts, okay? So when a bad thought comes in, we chew it up, we swallow it, get rid of it, gone. But what we do is we have this bad thought, we chew the cud, we cough it back up, and we chew it again. And each time you take that thought and cough, you know, regurgitate it back up and chew it again, it just gets grosser and grosser and grosser. And it gets more and more lodged in your heart to the point where it starts choking the life out of you. And, and so we, we, we can't do that. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, you know, I've already told off on myself while I go here just as a pastor. You know, whenever Pastor Mark chews the cud, the worst time in my life where I chew the cud is on Sunday nights. And I'm at home and I'm thinking about the Sunday morning service. And... Uh, <laughs> just J Jada, one of the first things, and this is, I'm just telling off of myself this morning, guys, but one of the first things I do when I leave the church is I look at Jada when we get in the car. I was like, was that good? Did that, you know, did I perform well today? <laughs> you know, Mark, that was a good message. Yeah. And, and it goes back to my love language because my love language is words of affirmation. It does, but it's, it's unhealthy, okay, what I do. All right. So I'm already chewing the cud as I leave the church. I should have just chewed it, swallowed it. Don't think about it again. But then I get home and I think about, golly, you know, I try to shake everybody's hand and love on everybody that leave. But then somebody got by me today and they didn't shake my hand. So therefore, I said something during the message that ticked them off. So that's why they didn't come by and shake my hand and hug, hug my neck. And so there, there I am chewing the cud, swallowing it, spitting it back up. It's getting grosser and grosser every time I do it. And, and by the time, I, I'm swear, this happens to Pastor Mark. I'm just telling off of myself. So by the time I'm done Sunday night, I literally do not have a church for next Sunday because every one of you hate my guts and are left. I'm serious. I am serious. I'm just being honest with you this morning. She knows it because she hears it from me. Well, why did, why did they say that? Or why, what did they, you know, why didn't they say that? Or why, where did they go? You know? And uh, why did they leave right before the message started? That's what, please tell me before you leave, before the message starts, because that really hurts my feelings. All right, I'll be up here chewing the cud. I'll be regurgitating in the pulpit before church is even over. So I'm just telling off of myself when I do the ru ru <laughs> ruminating and self-talk to myself. 
and chewing the cud, and it's not good. It's not good. And so I'm going to give you a few scriptures at what we need to do. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 through 5 says this. When you have those kind of thoughts, the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That's what you do with those bad thoughts. Make sure it's take it captive, meaning take it captive. You know, you, you're going to have to chew it up, swallow it, but do not bring it back up. That's how you take it thought, that thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Philippians 4, this is what the Apostle Paul told us to do. Verses 8 through 9. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And then verse 9 says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And he's talking about putting that into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. So last Sunday, what I should have been thinking about was we got Stacy Hansen back here who got water baptized. That's the, that's the things that I need to be thinking about. But I'm thinking about somebody that didn't shake my hand and hug my neck when they left the church because I thought they were mad at me. There we go. Got to take those thoughts captive. And everybody said, guys, that goes on in every arena of life. It goes on in your family. It goes on at work, wherever you're at. Do not bring that stuff back up. Okay? Don't, don't. I hope you remember that. Don't ruminate. Don't chew the cud. All right, here's number five. Not on the bad things anyway. Number five is the inability to process pain in a healthy way. We live in a fallen world. Yes, we were overcomers through Christ Jesus, uh, but we live in a fallen world. And we have to, we're going to walk through some pain down here, some pain and some suffering. And so your inability to process pain in a healthy way. If you need to go get counseling, get counseling. All right, do, do whatever you've got to do to process that pain in a healthy way. Because the Bible teaches, if you will let the Holy Spirit do this, instead of turning to drugs, alcohol, or whatever else that we turn to when things like this happen, is if you will allow the Holy Spirit to help you process that pain, he will turn your pain into a purpose if you allow him to do it. And there's a, there's a scripture in this, and I'm just going to give it to you. I'm not going to read it to you. But it's the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 through 7. He talks about the stuff that he's been through. And he said, we went through all this so that, and we received comfort from God because we went through this, and therefore we're, ta we're taking this comfort and giving it to you. I'm paraphrasing it. So we're able to minister through that. One of the things that Jade and I have been through, and most of you know this story, is our little boy went home to be with the Lord in 1998. Jade, and we wrote a book about it, Hope Beyond Brokenness. And, and just here last year, I got to speak at a hospice event and it was you know how many years later 25 years after this 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 happened to us and we're we're using that pain on purpose to help people and to minister to people and and um and so there if you'll if you'll let the holy spirit help you through that he can turn your pain into a purpose and i love uh, there's two story, there are two scriptures i'm gonna read here for you genesis 50 verse 20 i love this about joseph Joseph, he's talking to his brothers, what they'd done to him, and he extends forgiveness to them, and this is what he tells them. He said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. But it's all because that could, Joseph could not have helped save the nation of Israel if he stayed in unforgiveness. I want you to listen to that. Because he chose to work through that pain and go, Lord, I don't know what's going on because now I'm in prison and, you know, I was in a pit. Now I'm in prison and, and I mean, there's just all kinds of bad stuff happening to me. But, God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but you're going to turn all this pain that I'm going through into a purpose. And he did. And he actually helped save his whole family and his whole nation because he chose to walk in forgiveness. He didn't choose to walk in pain. And everybody said, but I'm telling you guys, it's up to us to allow the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts to be able to do these things. In Romans 8, verse 28, it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. He will turn it for the good if you allow him to. 
Back whenever our son passed away, I tell this story a lot because I had a decision to make a choice came before me one day, and I'll, I'll never forget it. I was sitting in my house. We'd had people during the time that Jaden was in the hospital. We'd had people at our house praying. I did not know this. Um, at that time, our church family, thank God for our church family. And um, when I got home after the funeral, after everything had settled down, after people started you know, coming by the house and things like that, everything had settled down. I was in the house one day, and I looked back where his bedroom was at, and uh, somebody had, had made the, had anointed the, the doorpost of that bedroom with a cross, with oil, and with anointing oil. But that morning, the sunlight had caught it just right, and it shined up, and I saw it. And I'm going to be honest with you guys, I got mad. Because I'm like, yeah, that's there. But my firstborn son didn't make it, you know. And God, I prayed. I pray over my kids. I pray safety over them. Back, you know, I said, I don't understand why this is happening, why I'm going through this. And at that moment, when I was getting mad at God, I had just, I, I don't know if it was like a mental picture that, that the Lord showed me and said, Mark, you're, you've got, you're at a crossroads right now. And son, you're either going to go one or two ways. You're either going to follow me and know that I'm a good God and I'm a good God all the time and I'm going to cause good to come out of all this. Or, and I saw this, I literally saw this, or you're going to be bellied up to the bar for the rest of your life, to a bar, drinking your life away, mad at me, and mad at life, and not have any relationships. And I said, God, I'm, I don't, under, and at that time, I was like, God, I do not understand this, but I choose you. And I don't know how you're going to cause all this pain to go away, and this hurt to go away, and I don't know how in the world you're going to cause good to come out of this, but I choose you. And thank God I made that choice. And I'm still making that choice today. And that's why when I get up here and say God is good all the time, that's not just a little Christian cliche to me. That's a revelation to me. And I want it to be a revelation to everybody else that I meet. No matter what you go through, God is good, and he's a good God all the time. But we do live in a fallen world, and we go through this, and this is the last point that I want to make today. We go through spiritual warfare. If you're a believer, you're in spiritual warfare. And, and I'm not the kind of pastor that believes that there's a devil under every rock, but I do believe there might be one under every other rock. <laughs> I'm serious. Because I think as the body of Christ that we have discounted spiritual warfare too much. We have an adversary. All right, and he, his, his ministry is kill, steal, and destroy. And so we need to be alert, awake, not woke, awake, okay, according to Scripture, and, and know what he's doing. And I'm hoping this is, is this helping somebody today? Is this helping you? Okay. Because we are in spiritual warfare, and this is where you, we need each other, okay? Can't go with spiritual warfare alone. We need each other. And so I'm just going to give you a real simple de de uh, definition of the Jezebel spirit. Because it affects a lot of us in here. It's not just for people that are in ministry. All of us are in ministry. Every one of you have been affected by this spirit. I promise you. We talked about a woman Jezebel. The Bible talks about in, in the book of Revelation, there is a spirit behind it, Jezebel. We don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against principalities and powers and wickedness and all that in high places. And here's what the, just a simple definition of Jezebel, the Jezebel spirit, is when something very small becomes massively huge, and it brings fear and intimidation to you. That's one of the simplest definitions I've ever heard of the Jezebel spirit. It's when something very small and insignificant becomes massively huge to you. I mean, the enemy, the enemy what the enemy does is magnify it because you're not magnifying the Lord in your life. So he magnifies this problem in a huge way in your life, and it brings fear and intimidation and immobilizes you. And that's what happened to the great prophet Elijah, the spirit behind all this. Yeah, he ran physically from Jezebel, but the spirit was at work. And God had to call, you can go on and read the rest of the story, God had to call um, the prophet Elijah out of the cave. Had to call him out say, what are you doing here? In 1 Peter 5, verses 8 through 9, this is what it tells us as believers. It says, be alert and of a sober mind, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. 
But I just want to tell you right now, I heard one pastor say this one time, and it really resonated with me. He goes, yeah, he's got a roar, but he hasn't got no teeth because Jesus kicked them out at the cross. But he can still roar, and he's still scaring a lot of people. And then the Bible tells us what to do. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers, here it is, we need each other, throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. We're all going through this. We all have this same adversary, and that's why we need each other. And with, with, with each other, we're stronger together than being alone. And we're able to resist him and stand firm in the faith when we have each other. And everybody said, amen. amen. Did this help somebody today? Okay. I will get you, if you need the notes, I will get you the notes. And this is, this is how I want to end today's service. And I want um, everyone to bow your heads in here this morning. And if I can have our praise team come back up here. And guys, I want us to go out with the, the second song, I think it was. The uh, Coming Out of the Grave. Out of the Grave, I think. What? Yeah. And um, we're going to go out with that song today. But the first thing that I want to do, with every head bowed and every eyes closed as our praise team is coming back up here, is um, the prayer of salvation. You may be here today, and this is the, the first time um, you've been in church for a long time, or, or you don't know the Lord, and, uh, and today the Holy Spirit is tugging at your heart. That's, that is the Holy Spirit. I can remember the day the, the Holy Spirit was tugging at my heart. That's, that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and what he's doing is he's wooing you into the, the kingdom of God, into the family of God. And so I want to have the honor and the privilege of praying this prayer with you, and it's just called the prayer of salvation, and it's when you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, what we were talking about today, believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God, He's the Savior, He's the Lord, that He died on the cross for you, and He, he saved you from your sins, and that He rose again on the third day. And if you believe that, if you confess that with your mouth, believe that in your heart, the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So it doesn't say anywhere in there that you've got to get your, all, your act all cleaned up, before you come to the Lord, it just says, this is what you got to do. And then the Holy Spirit's going to begin his ministry in you. And he does a good job of cleaning people up. And it'll be a lifetime of cleaning up, I promise. But I just want to have the honor and privilege of, of praying with you this, this prayer. And even if you are saved here today, I want you to pray this prayer with them. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I believe you are the Son of God. And you died on the cross for me. And rose again on the third day. Please forgive me of my sins and create a clean heart in me. Renew my spirit so I can hear your voice. I accept you as my Savior. You are my Lord. Thank you for saving me. And everybody said, Amen. I want you to keep your head bowed and your head bowed and your eyes closed. Just focus on you and your relationship with God this morning. And if that's the first time you've prayed that prayer, your very next step of obedience is following the Lord in water baptism just like Stacy did last Sunday. And we can do that next Sunday or whenever you're ready. You just let me know. But what I want to call out this morning is what I felt like the Holy Spirit told me to call out today. And I'm, what, how I'm going to call this out is if, if this is happening in your life, I just want you to, to stand up. And it's, as you stand up, it's not that to single you out or anything like that. What, what I believe what's going to happen when you stand up, it's, that's an act of faith of the grave clothes coming off. But there's, there's, uh, you're here today and you know Jesus, you know the Lord, you're saved, but you still have some grave clothes on and the Lord wants to take them off today. And um, the Holy Spirit wants to take those off today. And so if you're here today, and if you experience, and I'm going to call out some things, if you experience panic attacks, if you have experienced anxiety attacks, if you've experienced depression, if you've experienced crippling fear, um, or even suicidal thoughts, what I want you to do is just stand up right where you're at. Amen. Okay. Now I'm going to pray over us today. Father, as they're standing today, Lord, uh, people in this house that have experienced panic attacks, anxiety, depression, even when they can't sleep at night because your word says that you give your beloved sleep. 
where that's where a lot of the restoration happens in our lives, spirit, soul, and bodies when we're being able to sleep. I feel like there's several people here today that you're just having problems sleeping at night. Crippling fear, suicidal thoughts. God, I just bind up the spirit of fear in this house today in the name of Jesus, and I release power, love, and a sound mind over every one of these that are, lit, that are standing up today. As they stood up, God, I want them to get the mental picture in their minds that the grave clothes have fallen to the ground. And when they leave here today, they're not wearing grave clothes anymore. They're not wearing what they came in here with, God. Those grave clothes are gone. When the enemy tries to bring up those thoughts or something else that may cause whatever anxiety it is or a panic attack or whatever, may they remember this day, February the 12th, 2023, right where they're standing, that no, I left those grave clothes right there. I left those grave clothes at the altar. And so God, I thank you that you're releasing everyone here under the sound of my voice, even those that are watching online today from the spirit of fear and the love and power and a sound mind is flowing. God, I thank you that, that the Jezebel spirit has no place here in the name of Jesus. Lord, we're here to magnify the Lord. God, there's no, there's no, there's no problem that we go through, no circumstance, no situation, no issue that's bigger than you. And I'm sick and tired of the Jezebel spirit magnifying things to the point that makes it look like it's bigger than God. God, you're bigger than anything that we're going through. God, we magnify you today. And Lord, we bind up the Jezebel spirit and we loose the power of the Holy Spirit in this place. God, we release, we, we loose the, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit and your angelic host in this place today, God. We bind and we loose, God. We bind up the Jezebel spirit and the spirit of fear and we release the spirit of Holy, the Holy Spirit and we release the angelic host in this house today, God, to remove these spirits, God, that are, that are bind, have your people bound up, God. And Lord, I pray that they're going to leave here today lighter than that they came in, God. Lord, that there's no more fear, no more intimidation, God. They're going to go out of here with their roar today in Jesus' name. You're restoring their roar today, their roar today. And God, we give you praise glory for it in Jesus name in Jesus name and everybody said amen I want everybody to stand up if you can you don't have to but we're going to go out we're going to worship this song and then I'm going to come back up here and bless you before we leave today let's worship this let's go out with this song today grave clothes are off
When you call my name, sing it out. I've been out of that grave, out of the darkness, into your glorious day. When you call my name, and I've been out of that grave, out of the darkness. Into your glorious day. Amen. Amen. God is good and all the time. I want you to join hands with the person there next to you. We all love each other, right? Amen. I'm going to speak this blessing over us today. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you, and may the Lord give you his peace. May the Lord bless your going out and your coming in today. May the Lord anoint you to fulfill the divine destiny that God has given to you. May everything that is brought against you be crushed by the protection that God himself shall provide. May you be blessed in your health. May you be blessed in your relationships. May your children and your children's children be blessed because they are the heritage of the righteous. From this day forward, as you submit yourselves to the Christ of the cross, may your lives be filled with joy that is unspeakable and full of glory and with peace that surpasses all understanding. May your home, as the word of God says, be as the days of heaven on earth. In Jesus' name we pray and ask it. And everybody said, Amen. Hug somebody's neck and say, Guard your heart. Y'all have a blessed Sunday. Amen. Love you guys.